Chapter 6 Are you joking? Pepe asked me in seriousness. No, I shamefully admitted. I pursed my lips and looked down into my lap as my best friend tried his best not to burst out in laughter. People stared as he covered his mouth and snickered loudly. I'm sorry, Pepe apologized after having to take numerous deep breaths to calm himself down. Sure you are, I sighed, rolling my eyes. What could have possibly made you have that dream, though, my friend asked, taking a sip of his drink. I don't even want to say, I groaned. I feel so dumb. I hid my face in my hands as I tried to compose myself. I like her, I mumbled into my hands. Sorry, I didn't hear that. I looked up, waiting for the waitress to pass our table. When she was gone, I beckoned him to lean closer with my finger. My heart rate sped up as I prepared myself to speak. I'm bisexual, and I like her, I whispered to him. At first, he was a little shocked. But then he gave me a smirk and sat back in his seat with his arms crossed. I wondered how much longer it would take you to realize it, he said. She probably never wants to talk to me again. Nonsense, Bonnie. Don't say that, he said, placing his hand on mine. He looked into my eyes and gave a soft smile. Even if she does, I'm here for you as your friend. I looked up at him and returned the smile. It was nice to have a friend like him. We'd known each other for as long as we can remember. We were always inseparable and we were always there for each other. My college years would have been impossible without his moral support. Bonnie, she just walked in. What do you want me to do? My heart sank. I wasn't ready to face her just yet. I threw my head down and faced away from her, hoping she hadn't seen me. I grabbed Pepe's hand and placed it on my head for extra camouflage. Pepe rubbed my head, which helped relax the throbbing in my chest. Bon, I heard her call. Crap, what was I going to do? If I said anything, she'd know it was me and not someone that just looked like me. If I ignored her she might feel like I was being cold and didn't want to be her friend anymore, which wasn't true at all. I rose up slowly, pretending like I had dozed off. I yawned, trying to act casual. Oh, hi, Marcy, I yawned. Who's your friend? Peppy. We've known each other since birth practically. Are you too? Oh, no, Peppy answered. It's not like that. We're just best friends. Marcy sat down beside me, her arm grazing mine. My skin tingles at the contact. How was the show? I asked, finding it more difficult to keep up my casual ruse. We did pretty good, she replied, leaning back in her seat and spreading her arms against the back of the chair. Her arm touched my head and I leaned forward slightly keeping contact minimal, for my own sake. Is playing shows all you do for a living?" Pepe asked her. I work at a department store, too, Marceline replied, sitting back up. Her leg was touching mine now, and I nearly jumped. It's not the best job, but I don't plan on staying. My band has caught a label's attention. Which one? Pepe asked. Vampire Cafe. They're not big, but it'll be a start. 
they've been checking out a few of our local shows and talking with us. They're still not sure, but I think they're gonna give us a contract soon. I hope you get it, Pepe said, smiling. Oh, I almost forgot, Marceline began, hey Bonnie, do you and your friend want to come hang out with my friends and I? We're just gonna play video games and eat junk food and drink a little. It'll suck, but it would be cool if you come. Pepe shot me another smirk. I wanted to reach over the table and smack it off his stupid face. Before I could come up with a lie as to why I wouldn't be able to make it, he spoke up. Well, we were just gonna hang out at her apartment all day and do nothing. So, sure, we'll come. I kicked his shin under the table and smiled when he flinched in pain. I stuck my tongue out at him before Marceline turned to face me. You sure, she asked me. Yeah, I said, looking away from her. It's not like we had any plans. I did you a favor if you ask me, Pepe said as we got out of the car. Tonight would be the perfect time for making your move, he whispered. I picked up my phone, looking over the directions Marceline had messaged me. Then I looked up at the two-story house we were at. The lights were on and I could hear two guys insulting each other. I recognized the vans from when I had attempted and failed to date Guy. This must be Bongo's house. Shut up, Pepe, I said, pretending to ignore him. The two of us walked to the door and knocked. Pause for a sec, someone's at the door, I heard someone say. Oh, Bonnieble, Guy greeted us. Hi, I said flatly. Marceline invited us. I still had unpleasant feelings about him after our last meeting. Guy stepped aside and let us in. The house looked nice, to my surprise. I never would have guessed someone as loud and quirky as Bango lived here. Pepe and I walked through the hall and into the living room, where a rather large television was set up and a system with some shooting game playing on it. Marceline, Kayla and Bongo were relaxing on couches drinking bottles of beer and nibbling on potato chips while loud music played. Oh, glad you could make it, Bonnie, Marceline said, jumping up to hug Pepe and I. I'm Bonnie's friend, Pepe, he waved, introducing himself to the room. He was greeted as everyone introduced themselves. Hey, either of you want to jump in on this game, Bongo asked, offering a controller. Peppy shrugged. Sure, but I'm not very experienced. I scoffed, knowing damn well that was a ploy. He loved playing shooters. He was probably one of the best out of anyone he had ever played with. You want a beer, Kayla offered. I shook my head to refuse, sitting on the edge of the couch the girls were sharing. I was sorta hoping you'd drink tonight, Marceline said, hiding her face. Kayla only laughed, causing me to feel flustered. What in the world did that mean? Was I cute, funny, or annoying? Were they joking or serious? I hugged my arms around myself, scooting slightly further away from them. Oh, no, Bon, Marceline said. We didn't mean anything, just having a laugh. We weren't making fun of you or anything. I let the tension in my body loosen. What about you, Pepe, want a beer, Kayla called to him. I don't drink, but thanks, my friend replied, 
not taking any of his focus off the television screen. I looked over, watching his character shoot down guys and bang those characters. They both looked at each other in disbelief as Pepet smiled confidently to himself. Why don't you drink if your friend isn't, Bonnie, Kayla asked me. Personal preference, I claimed. That, and I knew I turned into a clingy idiot. It could only get worse considering my crush would be with me the whole time. It would be impossible to know what embarrassing things I would do. She'd probably get annoyed with me. Fair enough, Marceline finally said. I sighed with relief. Well, Kayla said as she stood, I guess I'm gonna join the boys in this game and whoop all their asses. She walked over and picked up a fourth controller. Marceline left to retrieve a new bottle of beer from the kitchen, then came back to sit beside me. You play video games, she asked. Not really, I replied. Do you? Yeah, sometimes. But I prefer action adventures over shooters. Oh, I nodded, pretending to know what she was talking about. I told myself that I would have to look up what action-adventure games were later. Marceline laid back on the couch and blew some hair out of her face. She sighed heavily. What do you do for fun? she asked me. I like to read and watch movies. I cook some really good sweets, too, I said. I thought so, Marceline said, smiling to herself. What? I asked wondering if she found something about my now admittingly incredibly dull hobbies funny. You're such a goody two-shoes, Marceline said, smirking at me. I am not, I interjected. I do other things. Like what, the darker-skinned girl challenged me. I go out with my friends to parties sometimes. I go to concerts and bars too, on occasion. More like once in a blue moon. When was the last time you drank before you came to the bar with me?" she asked. I looked into my lap, knowing her suspicions would be correct. I drank on my twenty-first birthday and once again a year later. How old are you now? Twenty-five, I replied. Marceline chuckled. You are a goody two-shoes. I am not, I said, standing. I'd like one of those beers, please. Marceline cocked an eyebrow up, then went to retrieve a bottle for me. I'll never know why I let her talk me into drinking with her. Maybe it was because I didn't like being teased. Maybe it was because I wanted to seem cooler or even attempt to show off in front of this girl. I wasn't sure which one. Marceline handed me a bottle and I tried opening it. But the little metal cap may have well been super glued on. I didn't see how anyone could get these things open. Marceline held out her hand and I handed it to her, watching her open it with ease. It must be hard to open glass bottles when you've got dainty, princess hands, Marceline teased. They're not dainty, I said, taking a slow sip. It tasted bitter, but I decided I would put up with it. I took a larger gulp, not wanting to give Marceline any more room for more teasing. Marceline and I sat in silence, watching the boys and Kayla play their game. After I finished my drink, I was, of course, already a little tipsy. I stood up to throw my bottle away, wobbling slightly. Marceline hit a grin, 
watching me walk into the kitchen to replace my drink. I came back with two bottles, one for each of us. If I was going to be drunk, so was she. When I returned, Marceline had taken off the t-shirt she was wearing, only covered now by a black tank top. She rested her arms behind her head, drawing my attention to her torso. I had to stop myself from staring when I noticed how well the top accented her slim figure, how nice her cleavage looked, and how cute the red bra was that peeked out of the collar. I handed her the bottle in silence, not wanting anything stupid to slip past my lips. Wanna step out for a bit, it's kinda hot in here, Marceline suggested. Sure, I replied. It was getting warm, but it was probably because of how many people were stuffed into the one room and the electronics that were probably being overworked. Marceline stood slowly, having to steady herself with her hand on the couch's arm. She stood straight up, blinking rapidly and swaying slightly. I realized she was a little drunk now, too. I followed her through the kitchen and into the backyard. She and I stood outside, leaning on the railing of the porch. What do you think of my friends, she asked me, looking up into the night sky. They're all right, I said. I still don't know about Guy, though. Yeah, Marceline smiled. He's a good person. But like I said, he's dumb as a rock sometimes. Once you get to know him, he's pretty cool. How did you all meet? I watched as Marceline thought for a moment. I've known Kayla since forever. I met Bongo and Guy in high school. Kayla and I heard they were looking to start a band, so we talked to them. They weren't sure at first, saying they didn't think girls could rock out. But when they let us audition, we blew them away. We've been hanging out ever since. I believe it, I said, finishing my second bottle. I was blown away by your singing at that concert. I sat the bottle down, feeling a little dizzy. I steadied myself with my arms on the railing. Thanks, Marceline mumbled, looking a little flustered. You might want to sit down, she suggested, now looking over at me. I ignored the suggestion. Instead, I walked into the backyard when I spotted a firefly. I tried to catch it in my hands, but it got away too quickly. Here, Marceline said, reaching her arms up, she caught the glowing insect. Being taller than me gave her a bit of an advantage. She opened her hands to show me the firefly. It made itself glow before flying out of her palm and up into the sky. Marceline took a step backwards, as did I, and we watched as it flew out of sight. When I looked back down to Marceline, I found her stumbling. She fell backwards and reached for me out of reflex, taking hold of the collar of my shirt. But with the both of us being clumsily intoxicated, I came falling down with her. When her body impacted with the ground, I fell directly on top of her. Ouch, Marceline groaned. My body was suddenly as stiff as a wooden plank. I rose up just enough to look into the eyes of the girl directly under me. Her eyes were closed and one hand rested on her forehead as she furrowed her eyebrows, feeling the pain of the fall. Maybe it was the alcohol talking, but the way the moonlight reflected off of her skin made it glow. My body began to feel hot and a strange ache emanated from my lower abdomen. When she opened her eyes and locked them with mine, 
The moon reflected in them and I realized that she was the most beautiful woman I had ever laid eyes on. Before I realized what I was doing, I leaned down slowly, touching my lips to hers. After a moment, I opened my eyes and rose up slowly. I immediately felt stupid, wondering if she was going to push me off of her and become angry. I am sorry, I stuttered. I started to raise up off of her, expecting negative backlash. Before I could move away, she wrapped her arms around me, pulling me back down. She slid one arm up my back, tangling her fingers into my hair, pulling me into a much more passionate kiss. Breathless and confused, I allowed my lips to part as our tongues danced with each other. We laid there in the grass, only taking short breaks to gasp for air. I wasn't sure how much time had passed, but it must have been incredibly late when we were interrupted by Pepe, standing at the back door. What in the world are you doing out here, Bonnie Everyone has fallen asleep, he called. Sorry, Pepe, I'll be there in a minute, I called to him, hoping he hadn't spotted us. I'll wait in the car, he said. I waited until I heard the door close. I then rose up from the woman under me, sitting upright to catch my breath. Marceline sat up on her elbows, giving me the trademark smirk she liked to show me. What was that about not wanting me to get the wrong idea? I felt all of the blood in my body rushing to my face. I looked down at my feet, trying to compose myself. I was lying, I admitted. I thought so, princess, she said. My blush reddened even more. Some of it was because of the new nickname. How could you tell, I asked. You were moaning my name that night, too. I hid my face in my hands, feeling too overwhelmed with shame. Not that I mind, Marceline added. I took a deep breath, again trying to compose myself. Marceline stood up and tugged at my arm. I stood up with her, stumbling a little. Marceline steadied me by taking hold of both of my wrists. I pretended not to hear her laughing at me. I'm still a little drunk, so I'm gonna crash here. But I'll walk you to your car if you want, Marceline said. I nodded, letting Marceline lead me back into her friend's house. We walked into the dimly lit kitchen and into the dark, empty living room where Guy and Kayla were snoring silently on separate couches. I wondered where Marceline would sleep. When got to the front door, Marceline reached up to grab the knob, but then stopped. She turned to face me with a blush on her face. She brushed hair out of my face and planted a short, sweet kiss on my lips. She broke away, sooner than I hoped, leaving me wanting even more. I'll call you later, or message you. Or bump into you since we're neighbors, she laughed. I'd like to go out with you sometime, she said. I felt her palms sweat a little. Are you asking me to go on a date with you? I asked her, not taking my eyes off her lips. I wondered if Pepe wouldn't mind waiting a little longer because I was getting a strong urge to kiss her again. Yeah, if you want to, Marceline said, her voice a bit shaky. I blinked away the last of my intoxication. I'd like that, I smiled. I heard a car horn. You should probably go, Marceline said. I stood on my toes and placed my hands on her shoulders, giving her one more quick, but hopefully passionate kiss. 
I assumed it was well received when I heard a very light moan come from Marceline's throat. I'll see you soon, I said, opening the door and willingly leaving the tall, gorgeous woman behind. I had to stop myself from going back as I made it to Pepe, who waited in the driver's seat of my car. I wanted to offer her a ride home, she did live only a few feet away from me, after all. But I knew it would be hard to hold off certain temptations if I did. I thought maybe doing something like that so soon would be too much too fast. After all, I preferred to take it slow with my relationships. It seemed to make everything feel more special and gave a couple time to bond a little more. When I got into the passenger seat of my car and buckled up, I found Pepe giving me a suspicious look. What were you and Marceline doing out there? Kissing, I told him, feeling embarrassed again. For two hours, Pepe said, starting my car. Yes, I mumbled. Just kissing, he asked, pushing for details. He drove into the road and began heading towards my apartment. I wouldn't do that in someone's backyard, Pepe. Honestly, I huffed, crossing my arms. There was silence until we drove into the parking lot of my apartment building. I'm glad you were finally able to confess to her, though, Bonnie, Pepe said, taking the lead as we walked into the building. It wasn't on purpose, I said, unlocking my door. What happened? I, uh, fell on top of her, I mumbled, realizing how cliché that sounded. Oh my glob, Pepe snickered. I playfully punched his shoulder, then left to retrieve him a pillow and blanket so that he could sleep on my couch. Thanks for making me go to the party, I said, handing him the pillow and blanket. It's what I do, Pepe said, sticking his tongue out at me. I laughed at him, then turned to go into my room. I brushed my hair and changed into my pajamas, then got under my blankets. As I lay there with my eyes closed, I recalled the night. I was suddenly flustered by my actions, I couldn't believe I actually kissed her first. I didn't drink because I knew I couldn't handle my alcohol well and it made me do stupid things. But I didn't regret it, and I hope she didn't either. I looked forward to exploring a relationship with Marceline Abadir. It excited me to think of the new experience. I didn't sleep too well that night, being mostly restless for a reason I couldn't figure out. All I could think about was kissing her again. I eventually fell asleep, only to dream about her. I woke up the next morning with a jolt after hearing my phone beep. I looked at my phone, smiling to find it was a message from Marceline. I know it's Sunday and all, but do you want to go on that date this evening? The message read. Smiling sweetly, I replied, sure. Chapter 7 I looked over my outfit one more time. I had chosen a top in my favorite color, pink, with heart designs going down either side of my body in a straight line and white, snug-fitting capri pants. I wore minimal jewelry, small, silver earrings, and made sure to paint my finger and toenails in a lovely shade of, of course, pink. My hair was straightened and worn down and my makeup was just enough to highlight my eyes, lips, and cheeks. I grabbed my small purse, which only carried my keys, wallet, and spare makeup. I hoped I hadn't dressed too casually for whatever plans Marceline had for the two of us. My phone beeped and I retrieved it to read the text. 
good luck, from Pepe, who was most likely sitting at his own apartment in the next county over by now. Thanks, I replied. I walked into my living room, checking the time again. She said to be ready at six. I sat on my couch, bouncing my foot up and down. It was three minutes until six, and I was beginning to wonder if maybe I should call the date off. I had to wonder, why would a punk rock girl with such beautiful hair, such perfect skin, and a flawless bod, want to date someone as dull, girly, and painfully average as me? We were positively the exact opposite of each other, nothing in common whatsoever, and yet she found me interesting? I had made a fool of myself in front of her numerous times. But she let me kiss her, she teased me, and she asked me out on a date. Was this even real? There were a couple of knocks at the door, making me jump in surprise. My knees were shaking as I stood up, expecting my date to be behind the door. When I opened the door, as I expected, I found her there, smirking as she ran her eyes up and down my body, causing me to feel self-conscious. You wear a lot of pink, princess. Is my outfit okay? I asked, trying to keep my throat from becoming dry. It's cute, suits you, Marceline replied. Cute, I repeated, my face suddenly feeling hot. I observed Marceline's outfit as well. She had chosen to wear her hair up with her bangs down and combed to the side. She wore a button-up, red and black plaid shirt unbuttoned at the chest with a red tanked top underneath and the sleeves rolled up. Skinny jeans hugged her long, thin legs and red and white sneakers covered her feet. She also had five piercings in one ear and three in the other, and a nose piercing that I had never seen her wear before. Her makeup was also minimal, but drawing the most attention to her eyes with dark makeup. You look nice, I mumbled, being awarded with a blush. Come on, she said, leading me out of the building. When are you gonna tell me what we're doing? I asked as we walked outside. Marceline bit her lip and placed both hands in her pockets. You're new to town, right? I nodded, making sure to match my pace with hers. Well, I thought we could maybe grab a bite to eat. Then I thought I could show you around and we'll see where it goes from there. We ended up walking into town, and the first thing we did was buy hot dogs at a vendor. I insisted on paying, but Marceline wouldn't allow it and paid before I could dig my wallet out of my bag. After eating our hot dogs in silence, we threw the wrappers away and began walking leisurely again. So where have you been, Marceline asked me. Just a few places. I really like the cafe, I said. Which one? The really nice looking one near the bakery I work at, I replied. Marceline chewed on her lip again, keeping her eyes on me. You do like music, right? To an extent, I replied. Good, because I know of cool places. There's always a band playing on the weekends. It's got a really cool atmosphere and great drinks. Wanna go check it out? We walked for about ten minutes through streets until finally stopping at a small, slightly run-down building. It had dark, tinted windows and above the door in red lights read, Bloodsucker. Bloodsucker, I translated. Oh yeah, you know German, Marceline remembered, leading me inside. Inside, I observed walls painted black and multicolored lighting.
The floors were hardwood and pictures of various demonic creatures decorated the walls. I felt terribly out of place, seeing how almost no one here was dressed as brightly colored as I was. I even got a few strange looks and clung to Marceline's arm. Marcy, what kind of place is this? I whispered to her. It's kind of a club, Marceline said, finding an isolated booth away from the other people and a good distance away from the stage where a band was setting up. Are you trying to get me drunk again? I accused, starting to wonder if there was a sly reason for her bringing me here. Only if you want, Marceline laughed. I wanted to check out the new band playing tonight. I sat back in my chair trying to suppress the butterflies in my stomach. The atmosphere of the place did make me uncomfortable, but if Marceline had interest in the band, then maybe they weren't so bad. Marceline left to grab us a couple of sodas before the band started. When she came back, she sat close to me, causing me to tense up. When the band started, I admired the vocal range of the female singer and the unique use of violins and a keyboard along with a guitar and drums. They played four songs, and when they were done, left the stage with a bow. So what did you think? Marceline asked me. They were pretty good, but I think I like the Scream Queens a little more. Their singer has a much better voice, I said. Marceline blushed again, which I found to be incredibly cute. It was kind of what I was hoping for. Do you want to get out of here? I don't think you'll like the metal bands playing for the rest of the night, she asked me, trying to hide her blush. All right, I replied, following Marceline as she led me out of the building. We walked side by side, me holding on to her arm. Part of it was because I was nervous around all of the people dressed in black clothing. The other reason was because I enjoyed it tremendously. As we walked by an alley between two buildings, a strong, raunchy smell caught my nose, causing it to cringe. As we were about to pass it, a man appeared out of nowhere in front of us. I recognized the white ammo hawk. Marcy, the man said. Without saying a word, she grabbed me by the arm tightly and picked up a fast walking pace. I looked up at her scowling face remembering what she told me about Ash during their last meeting. Hey, come on Marcy. I just wanted to say hi, he called, catching up to us. Marceline spun around, holding me back just behind her. The man smelled of hard alcohol and marijuana. The stench was so strong that I held back a gag and had to cover my nose. Who is that pretty little princess behind you? he asked with one eyebrow cocked and eyes locked with mine. I copied Marceline's face, giving him a scowl. None of your business, Marceline hissed. He took a step towards us and she took a step back, causing me to stumble. I was just wanting to know if you and your cute little friend wanted to hang out, let me show you a good time, Ash said, a confident look on his face, as if he was sure we would agree. Not in your wildest dreams, Marceline scowled, practically spitting acid in his face. Ash lingered his gaze on Marceline, then on me, giving me goosebumps. There was something in his eyes. I wasn't sure what it was, but it sent chills throughout my whole body and butterflies in my stomach. My brain was telling me that I needed to run away from there now, but I was frozen. 
Come on, Bonnie, we're leaving, Marceline said to me, not taking her eyes off Ash. I held on to her arm, letting her lead me away. After a moment I checked to see if he was still there. He wasn't, but it felt like his eyes were still on me. I walked closer to Marceline, hugging her arm with both of mine. We walked at a fast pace until we got into a park, where Marceline stopped. We sat side by side on a nearby bench. Marceline sat back and sighed loudly. I'm really sorry about that, she apologized, not looking at me. It's not your fault, I said, giving her a smile. He's such a dirtbag, Marceline scoffed, closing her eyes to try and hide the anger in them. She furrowed her eyebrows and took a deep breath. I'm a little surprised you dated someone like him, I said, thinking of what sort of things he was obviously into. Were you like that, some point? Marceline sat up and rested her elbows on her knees, still refusing to look at me. I did do a few stupid things. But I quit everything illegal and stopped being so irresponsible, she admitted, shame in her tone. I'm clean now, I promise, she said, risking a quick glance at me. It's fine, Marcy. No one is perfect, I said. She took another long breath, this one to relax herself, and sat up to look at me. She gave me a weak smile and I smiled back. I sensed the need for a change in subject and took it upon myself to do so. So, what is your family like, was the first thing that came to mind. My mom died when I was young and I don't get along well with my dad, she said. What about you, she quickly asked, as if wanting to avoid any more of the topic of her parents. I made note of that. Well, my twin brother and I were orphans, but our adoptive parents are nice, I explained. Oh, Marceline said, as if she felt that her question was a mistake. It's all right, I added. I never actually knew my real parents. I had a normal, healthy childhood, honestly. What about your twin brother? Nettie stays with them. He's also in a program that helps him work easy, part-time jobs. He can manage pretty well. He just needs the occasional supervision, I answered. I don't have any siblings, Marceline began, finally relaxing, but I've got a cousin who's kinda like my brother. Marshall Lee. He's. Me, she trailed off. What, I laughed. She couldn't mean that literally, could she? People actually used to think we were twins, we look so much alike, Marceline said. She smiled, getting lost in a memory, I presumed. We actually like a lot of the same things, and we have the same fashion sense. Does he play bass and sing like you? He does play bass, but he's actually been into rap rock lately. He can bust out some hella good rhymes, the punk rock girl laughed. Oh, so he's in a band, too, I assumed. Sort of. He's got a friend, Ronnie, that helps him with making songs. They do a lot of auto-tune and digital stuff. Oh, that sounds interesting, I said. They're recording their first CD, actually. They've gotten signed to a contract. I've got to catch up. You will. You're definitely good enough, I told her, nudging her arm with my elbow. Thanks, she said with a smile.
So, is there anything else you want to do tonight? I asked as I relaxed, leaning on the bench beside her. I dunno, Marceline sighed. I'm kinda bummed out, now. Ash sure has been in town a lot more than usual, lately. You think he moved to town, I wondered. I hope not, Marceline groaned. I looked over at Marceline, who had another aggravated expression over her face. She squeezed her eyes together, trying to calm herself down. She covered her face with a hand. I began to worry for her. Being angry so much was not good for your health. In an attempt to calm her down, I took that hand and laced my fingers through it. The contact sent tingles through my whole arm, but I ignored them. Let's go watch a movie, I suggested, looking her calmly in the eyes with the hopes that it would ease her mind. Can we do it at one of our apartments? My place or yours, I asked. Yours, I guess, if you don't mind. I stood, waiting patiently for her facial tension to relax. When she looked up at me, that smirk appeared on her face. I tugged on her arm gently, and she allowed me to pull her up. When she was standing up straight, she surprised me with a kiss, think I had made one of those silly squeaking noises girls make when such a thing happens, but I was happy to reciprocate the kiss. She pulled away sooner than I would have liked, though. Do you have snacks? she asked as we began walking. I don't think I do, I replied, still feeling flustered from just a moment ago. Is it cool if we stop at the convenience store on the way back, then? I'm craving something sweet, she said. She looked at me again, causing me to blush for the hundredth time this weekend. As sure, I stuttered. I wasn't sure why, but my breath was short all of a sudden. We stopped at the little convenience store that was only a short walk from the apartment building, stocking up on candy. Marceline had chosen a couple packs of a strawberry-flavored gummy candy and a bottle of some peach-flavored soda while I picked up a bottle of green tea and a small snack cake. We continued to my apartment without conflict and stepped inside. I made sure the door was locked before I went to the living room television, setting up my DVD player. As I was bent over, plugging in everything that needed it, I noticed Marceline staring. It made me feel self-conscious, but I brushed it off. The DVDs are in the stand here, pick one out while I go to the bathroom, I said, standing to leave. When I came back, Marceline was standing, holding a case. Hey, Bonnie, she said, poking me in the side. I jumped and squealed, then became red-faced as Marceline stared at me blankly, no doubt piecing together what just happened. She made a sly grin and poked me again. It had the same result. You're goosey, she said, grinning. Um, no I'm not, I lied. Who was I kidding? She wouldn't believe me. I wrapped my arms around my sides and quickly made my way to the couch, taking a seat. If you say so, Marceline hummed. She put the DVD into the player and started the movie. She took a seat beside me, that cheeky grin still on her face. She and I watched the opening scene play. She'd chosen a romantic comedy. I let my guard down when I assumed it was safe. As I began to relax, she poked my side again. Of course, I jumped and made another loud squeal. You are ticklish, Marceline laughed.
I am not, I lied, leaning away from her. I wrapped my arms around my sides again, wondering if she would try anything else. Marceline smirked at me, raising her fingers into the air. I gasped, fearing what was coming. I even started to get up off the couch and run away. But before I could stand, she pinned me down on the couch. I braced myself for the inevitable. Are you sure you're not ticklish, she asked me, a daring tone in her voice. Of course, I lied again. I laughed nervously. Liar, Marceline said. She grabbed both of my sides and began tickling just the right spots, causing me to burst out in a fit of laughter. As much as I couldn't stand it, I thought I would try to retaliate. But she pinned my arms up above my head and sat on my lap, tickling me with her free fingers. I laughed so much that it was getting hard to breathe. I thought I would laugh myself to tears when the tickling suddenly stopped. I slowly peered open my eyes, wondering what had caused her to halt so suddenly. Before I could open my eyes fully, Marceline's lips had smashed into mine. I was taken by surprise, again, but I didn't mind this time either. She loosened her grip on my wrists and used that hand to tangle her fingers into my hair. I pulled her close and kissed her back. When her tongue brushed past my lips, I allowed it entry. She traced the roof of my mouth, eliciting a soft moan from me. When she switched to sucking on my tongue, I shuddered and dug my nails into her back. I moaned again, and I felt her grind her waist into mine. That was when I finally realized the position we were in, her sitting in my lap with her feet wrapped around me. I gasped and pulled away. I had that obvious feeling in my lower abdomen again, but things were going too fast, and I wasn't ready. Sorry, Marceline mumbled. I rested my head on her chest. She wrapped her arms around me again. Was that too fast? I nodded, mostly because I was so out of breath and couldn't calm the thudding in my chest. Marceline rose up to sit beside me. I leaned against her shoulder and allowed her to wrap an arm around me. I got carried away too, I mumbled. Probably my fault, Marceline said with a nervous laugh. I wrapped my arms around her middle and we lay there, watching the rest of the movie. When it was off we both got up and stretched our backs. I guess I'll go, Marceline said. She gave me a quick peck on the cheek. I smiled watching her turn and prepare to leave. But then I remembered her saying that Ash knew where she lived, now. Having experienced firsthand how scary and what kind of person he is, I felt worried for Marceline. Wait, I exclaimed. Are you sure that's all right with Ash being around? I may have also wanted to have her sleep in bed with me. I quite enjoyed hugging her in my sleep. I guess you've got a point, Bon, she said, scratching her neck. You sure it's okay, though? Of course, I said without hesitation. I guess I'll grab some jammies, then. Be right back, she said with a wink. She walked out of my apartment, leaving the door open. I walked to the open doorway and watched her walk into her apartment, then waited for her to walk out. She walked back out of her apartment and locked the door tight. She came back wearing a loose, black t-shirt and very short shorts. Her hair was also combed down and her makeup removed.
When she walked back into my door, I noticed she had some kind of stuffed animal hidden behind her back. It was a little thing with a big, round head and tiny ears, an even bigger and rounder body, and long, skinny limbs. It was missing an eye and had bandages wrapped around where its wrists and ankles would have been and the top of its head looked like it had been ripped off and sewn back on with the wrong colored fabric. This is Hambo, my best bud, Marceline introduced the rag of a toy. I know it looks rough, but I've had it ever since I was a toddler. I still sleep with it almost every night. Um, well that's okay, I said, wondering if those were stains or if the thing was actually that dirty. Surely she washed it, right? I walked into my room to change into yoga pants and a thin, pink tank top and washed my face, then came back into the living room to join Marceline. Are you tired or would you rather watch another movie? I asked her. I bought a movie from my collection if that's okay with you, she said, holding it up. On the cover of the case was a man that had knives for fingers and his skin was scarred like he had been severely burned. I hadn't ever watched this movie, but I heard it was scary. Scary movies and I did not get along. Have you ever seen this, Freddy? I shook my head side to side, hoping that wasn't the one she wanted to watch with me. You should seriously watch it then, it's awesome, Marceline said, putting the disc into my player. Having no choice, I joined her on the couch. After all, it was a rather old movie. How bad could it be? About halfway through the movie, I realized I could not have been more wrong. I was shaking and hiding my face behind Marceline's shoulder. She would laugh and tease me. But that was terrifying. He got into their dreams and killed them so brutally, and then it happened in real life. It was horrible to think about. I don't know how, but we made it through the whole movie. As it turns out, I didn't watch most of it. As the ending credits came on, Marceline was yawning. I was still a bit shaken up, but I was also fairly tired. Marceline stood to turn off my TV and player, then came back to join me on the couch. You're such a chicken, she teased. I'm not exactly a fan of scary movies, I yawned. Do you have anything to do early tomorrow? Marceline yawned, too. I have to clock into work around two, I said. I don't clock in until noon. You want to go to sleep, though, I asked her. I looked up at her, but her eyes were already closed. She didn't answer, only nodding very lightly. I laid my head down on her lap, only intending to rest my eyes for a moment before I coaxed her into the bedroom. But I ended up dozing off, too. Chapter 8 Bon, Marceline called, shaking my shoulder. I yawned and raised my head up from her lap, rubbing the red spot on my cheek. I lazily rubbed the sleep out of my eyes as I sat up. Was it morning already? I better go now if I want to make it to work on time, she said. I stretched my arms out and nodded, still very groggy. Sleeping bent over on the couch with my feet on the floor and my head in someone's lap was probably not a good thing to do. I felt like I only got half the sleep I actually did. Before Marceline could stand to leave, I grabbed her wrist, leaning over to give her a quick peck on the lips. She smiled when she pulled away, and I smiled back. 
have a good day, I hummed. You too, she said with blush, then left my apartment. After another ten minutes of talking myself out of going back to sleep, I made myself coffee and a light breakfast. After that, I showered, did my makeup and hair, dressed in my uniform, and then sat around until it was time to leave. When it was time, I grabbed my keys, locked up, and walked down to my car. I hopped inside, put the keys in, then turned them. The engine complained, then there was no sound. I turned the keys again. Nothing this time. I rolled my eyes and stepped out of my car. I knew enough about them to handle most things, to many people's surprise. I opened the hood and looked around. I found it was just as I feared, spark plugs. I had overlooked the warning signs or forgotten about them, I wasn't sure which. It was unlike me. But I suppose I have been distracted for a while by a certain gorgeous woman. A woman with long legs and skin like hazel. A woman who had an intimidating exterior but an interior sweeter than honey. Focus, I told myself. I snatched my phone out of my car and called the bakery, informing them I would be late due to car trouble. It wouldn't be too much of an inconvenience, being only a 20-minute walk. Once the proper people were informed, I started my walk. It was a busy Monday. We made at least three birthday cakes and there wasn't a moment where someone wasn't at the register buying something for most of the day. When people stopped coming in by the dozens, cleaning had to be done. That took much longer than usual, and I even pitched in so that we could leave by at least 11 o'clock. When the employees and I all clocked out, we were all exhausted. My feet were throbbing and my muscles ached. I just wanted to go home and sleep for 12 hours. But as usual, I had to make sure I was the last one out before locking up. It wasn't until after I waved the last car away that I remembered my car was out of commission and I had forgotten to ask for a ride from anyone. I picked my phone up, wondering if Marceline would give me a ride. But I suppose I had forgotten to charge it last night as I glared at the black screen. I huffed and stomped out of the bakery, locking the front doors. I was exhausted and had to walk for twenty minutes straight before I could get home and relax. What a flippin' bummer. It was a weekday, so with people having to sleep to worry about in order to function properly for their jobs, the street was fairly empty. I walked in silence as my legs and back complained. Bonnie, isn't it, I heard an unfamiliar voice call. I turned to meet the source of the voice. When my eyes found him, I froze when my eyes saw something metal reflecting the glow of the streetlights in his hand. I took a step back, and he took two steps forward. Sweat beaded on my forehead and neck and my heart fluttered, causing my breathing to quicken. Where's Marcy? I turned, ready to run, but he caught me by the wrist before I could move my legs fast enough. It was just a question, princess, don't freak out on me, okay? The knife slid up my arm. I flinched and tried to scream. All that I could choke out was a silent yelp. He pinned my arm behind my back and held the knife to my throat. My heart was a jackhammer in my chest and it suddenly felt like I couldn't breathe. It's really not safe for anyone to be walking the streets alone at night without some kind of protection, he whispered into my ear. 
he slid the tip of the knife against the skin on my neck. Ash, please, I begged in between panicked gasps. You can have my wallet or whatever. Just, please. I'll be taking something else, he said, his lips touching my ear. An alarm went off in my head and I realized what he was implying. I took a deep breath, knowing this was going to hurt later, and bent over, flipping him off me. I kicked the knife out of his hand and watched it slide onto the concrete and out of sight. I wanted to cry, but I didn't, so I took a few more deep breaths, getting ready to sprint away. But when I turned around, he grabbed the hem of my pant leg. I fell on the ground hard, hitting my head. My ears rang and my vision blurred. I knew it wouldn't be a concussion, but it would leave a bruise. I turned onto my back, only to discover that he still had a hold of my pant leg. He made sure I didn't get up before he did. When he stood, I panicked. I couldn't think clearly. I should have jumped up. But he towered over me and slammed his foot down into my stomach. I coughed and gasped, huddled into the fetal position. He forced me into a sitting position and pulled an old, sweaty bandana out of his pocket. He tied it into a gag over my mouth, then forced me to stand. My legs couldn't function properly, as I was trying not to focus on the aching in my torso. I tried to pull away, but I was weak. He rammed the side of my head into a utility pole and my vision darkened for a while. When I came to, the first thing I heard was a plastic wrapper. There was pressure on my lower body. I flung my eyes open. I couldn't see. There was something covering my eyes. I took a deep breath, ready to cry out for help. Surely someone would hear. But before I could, something leathery and warm cupped over my mouth, muting me. I squirmed, my bare bottom skidding across the pavement. But it was useless. My mind went blank, my body went numb, and my heart pounded in my ears. I screamed and screamed, but it would go unheard into the night. It hurt and I fought back the urge to puke with each movement. Tears ran down my face. I was so powerless. Thanks, princess, he said as I heard him pull his zipper up. I'd love to stay, but I'm a busy man. His footsteps quickly faded away and I sat up, expelling all of the contents of my stomach into the pavement. I pulled off the bandana over my eyes and looked around. It was silent, save for the crickets chirping. Blinking through blurry eyes, I pulled up my pants and stood. My legs shook and I leaned against the dumpster, vomiting a second time. After I was done, I coughed and dry-heaved, choking on my saliva and sniffling. I wrapped my arms around myself, trying not to think. Don't think. Shower. Sleep. Don't think. I made my way to my apartment building and into apartment 204. I made my way through my apartment and into the bathroom. I turned the light on and started the shower. It was steaming hot, but I didn't care. I let my clothes fall off and stood there, letting the water hit my body. But I couldn't feel it, I was still numb. I washed myself three times, then decided on a fourth. I still didn't feel clean. But I got out anyway, noticing my skin was turning red. 
Don't think. Sleep. Don't think. I walked naked into my bedroom and dressed myself in whatever pajamas were laying around. I turned off the lights and burrowed under my blanket, hugging my knees to my chest. But the deafening silence of the night was not pleasant. Over and over again everything I felt, everything I heard, it kept replaying in my ears like a broken record. It was too loud, but my vocal cords wouldn't work. Tears fell, but I was silent. I didn't sleep. By the time the sun peeked into my window I had cried so much that the tears refused to fall anymore. Chapter 9 I didn't get out of bed when daylight came. I hadn't moved all night, truthfully. I lay there in the same fetal position that I had all night. My mind refused to silence itself. I felt like I was stuck in some black hole of pain, depression, and a large mixture of other emotions and no one knew where I was or how to get me out. How did that happen? Why couldn't I stop it? Why me? Did I do something to deserve it? Did I deserve it? There was a knock at the door. I gasped, having been surprised. Another knock, and I slowly rose up. It was three in the afternoon, now. I was supposed to go to work today. How did I not notice the time passing by like that? I went to the front door after hearing a third set of knocks. Maybe it was one of my co-workers wondering where I was? I could feign illness. Should I talk about it? No, I can't. I already messed up by destroying the evidence. What would be the point? They would only feel sorry for me, they'd just worry, giving me sympathy. I didn't want or need that. What could I even do? I could go to the police, but with no proof, what could be done? Not a damn thing. I already lost my chance to get back at him. But it'll be fine. I can't handle this on my own. No I can't. I answered the door. Two guys, one with light blonde hair and one with dark brown hair were behind it, uneasy expressions on their faces. Bonnie, geez, you look awful, Finn said. You sick or something, Jake added. Yeah, I mumbled. My voice was weak. But I was sure they'd just blame that on whatever illness they would assume I had. Jake took a seat on my couch, but Finn wouldn't look away from me as they walked in. Have you been in bed all day? Finn asked me. I nodded. Good thing we came to see you, then. Do you need to go to a doctor or something? Jake asked. I'm sure it's just a common cold. I just need rest, I lied. Why was I lying like this? They were my best and closest friends. Why couldn't I just tell them? No, I shouldn't. They'd only worry. They'd probably try to find him, too. If they did, they would try to fight him and might even get hurt to themselves. No. I won't tell them. They don't need to know about this. It's fine. No it isn't. Here, you should eat, Finn suggested, holding out the pizza box he had brought in with him. Thanks, but I'm not hungry. You guys eat it, I said. Kitchen is that way. Finn and Jake shrugged and walked into the kitchen. I followed as Finn sat the box on the counter.
the two didn't use plates. They stood by the counter, each devouring their own slice. Pepe told us about a special someone in your life, Jake mentioned, his mouth still full of partially chewed pizza. Her name is Marceline. She's cool, you guys should meet her sometime, I mumbled. Trying to put myself into a better mood. It wasn't working. You could have told your best buds you liked girls, PB. We wouldn't have judged, Jake mockingly scolded. I gave him a fake smile. I didn't know until recently, I said. Wait, PB? What's that mean? Oh, sorry. We've been doing nicknames with everyone lately for fun. I thought Princess Bubblegum suited you because you're always so proper and girly and pink, like Bubblegum, Jake explained. He ribbed Finn in the side as they chuckled. Princess. Princess. He called me Princess, just like. My mind played over the experience again in a flash. I remembered how everything felt. I remembered the smells, the sounds of his breaths and grunts as he. My stomach flip-flopped and burned. I ran to the garbage can, just barely making it in time. There wasn't anything to come up, though. I kept dry heaving and coughing. Stomach acid bubbled in my throat and burned as I tried to calm myself. Don't cry. Don't cry. Stop thinking. Holy smokes, Bonnie. Are you okay, someone said. I couldn't make out who. I shot upright, being snapped out of my thoughts. I must be sicker than I thought, I droned. I have to keep it together. I can. Stop lying to yourself. Come on, Finn demanded. He grabbed my arm. You're gonna lay down and get your rest so you can get better. He led me into my room and coaxed me to sit on my bed. He left, then came back with a bottle of water and some medicine he found in my bathroom. He sat them down at the table beside my bed. Lay down so you can rest, he instructed, so I did. He pulled the blanket over to cover my body. Need anything else? No, but thanks, I mumbled, refusing to look him in the eye, now. I couldn't. I guess we'll, uh, stick around, if that's okay? You shouldn't be alone when you're sick, Finn said. I faked another smile as he left the room, leaving my door open. I don't think she's sick, I heard Jake whisper. He must have assumed I was out of earshot. He was right, though. I was an idiot for thinking I could lie to my friends. She's got a look on her face that's like, she feels bad, but not sick. More like depressed, bad, dude. Dude, this is Bonnie we're talking about. She wouldn't keep something from us, Finn whispered back. I guess so, Jake mumbled. I turned over in my bed, facing away from the door. But I didn't close my eyes. I couldn't get myself to sleep. I was still so numb. Finn and Jake had decided they would do me a favor and clean my apartment. But there wouldn't be much to clean. I was a firm believer of keeping my living space tidy. They said they could wipe surfaces and sweep floors. I heard shuffling as they did. Oh, I bet she has laundry, Jake said. 
Finn checked in my room and I heard Jake in the bathroom. I pretended to be asleep as they gathered the dirty clothes. Bro, her uniform smells funny, Jake said. She does work in a bakery, right? Uh, Finn gasped. Is that, like, whiskey? I heard Jake make an annoyed humming sound. Maybe someone bumped into her and spilled it on her, Finn guessed. After a few more minutes I heard them walking through my apartment. I heard my front door open, then another voice. We're Bonnie's friends, Finn and Jake, one of the brothers said. Oh, I'm Marceline. Is Bonnie okay? She's sick, so we're helping her out a little, Jake said. You're her girlfriend, right, Finn guessed. Yeah. I was going to say hi, but if she's sick I'll let her rest. Must be why her phone's turned off, I heard Marceline say. I had forgotten to charge my phone. How irresponsible of me. My door closed and then there was silence, again. I eventually dozed off. My dreams weren't pleasant. Of course, I relived the experience and jolted myself awake only after it played all the way through. I sat up, gasping for air and sweating, but it wasn't hot. In fact, my air conditioning was fine. My heart banged in my chest and my eyes threatened to water up. I tried to stop it, but the tears fell, anyway. I covered my ears and rocked myself back and forth, telling myself I was safe. But I didn't feel safe or anything close to okay. I eventually calmed myself down. When I did, I found a bottle of water, a sports drink, medicine for an upset stomach, and a sliced apple sitting by my bed. I drank the entire water bottle in seconds. I thought about eating the apple, but my stomach felt like it had a rock in it, so I decided not to. I felt numb and weak again. My body was heavy and my thoughts were not pleasant. But I still got up to charge my phone. I knew it would worry people if I wasn't in contact. I glanced at the clock. Only a little past seven in the evening. I didn't want to sleep anymore, though. Not after that experience. I sat back down on my bed, trying not to think. Why couldn't I stop thinking about it? Surely people have had much less pleasant experiences. Surely it could have been worse. Was I being stupid? Was I making this out to be a bigger deal than it needed to be? I couldn't bring myself to get out of bed a second time. I couldn't bring myself to do anything but lay there. My thoughts were too overwhelming and I would cry again that night. I knew I couldn't keep this up. I was an adult with a job, friends, and a relationship to think about. I would have to force myself to function normally again, and I would. How hard could it be to pretend nothing had happened to me? I could do this. No you can't. I can't. I have to. Chapter 10 Finn and Jake had left that night after I convinced them I would be fine and keep my charged phone nearby. I didn't have the energy, but I forced myself to work through the rest of the week. My manager let my absence slip buying my claim of having a 24-hour stomach virus. I heard co-workers whisper about how they would notice changes in my behavior. They said I was different, less talkative, and less cheerful. I pretended to never hear any of them, 
but I knew they were right. I tried, I really did, but I just couldn't put on a proper mask to hide anything. I was relieved, though, when Friday came. I was off on weekends. Thankfully I had already fixed my car, so driving home was a thing again. I felt much safer driving, rather than walking. When I got to the apartment building, I held my new capsule of pepper spray in my pocket until I made it safely near my apartment, where I could relax. I took a few deep breaths, knowing I was safe, now, and prepared to unlock my door. As I turned the knob and pushed the door open, a hand rested itself on my shoulder and I instantly froze up. I could feel all the color drain from my face. I had that same feeling again, like I needed to run, but my body wouldn't react. Whoa, Bonnie, are you okay? Marceline asked. It was obvious that she was concerned. I was an open book, of course. You're not watching scary movies with someone else, are you? She joked. I turned to face her, finding the smirk that I found comfort in. My body instantly relaxed. Of course not, I said, sticking out my tongue. I tried to smile, too, but it wasn't genuine. Are you still sick? You don't look so good, my girlfriend asked. Just tired, I lied. I yawned to try and make it more convincing. You're not too tired for a movie marathon, are you? I just got the entire Harry Potter set today and some pizza waiting at my place. Her eyebrows furrowed, as if I would decline the offer. I was happy to accept. It would be much better than staying alone in my room, burdened by my own thoughts. A distraction in the form of my kind, loving, and amazing girlfriend was much needed and much appreciated. I didn't mind the choice of movies, either. I had stuck to the books mostly. The movies didn't do them all the justice they should have. They weren't bad, though, and I hadn't watched all of them. I followed Marceline into her apartment and sat on her couch as she set up her DVD player and popped in a disc. She left to retrieve paper plates with two slices each on them. Resting an arm behind me on the back of the couch, she pressed a few buttons on the remote, starting the Sorcerer's Stone. After Marceline finished her slices she eyed mine, which I had only nibbled at. Not hungry, huh? I shook my head. I haven't been able to eat much of anything lately. I hoped she wouldn't notice. It's not like I had an eating disorder, though. I just couldn't stomach much. Marceline shrugged and wrapped her arms around my waist, her head resting on my shoulder. My body tensed at the contact. I tried to relax, but I couldn't before she noticed. You okay, she said, looking up at me. Yeah, of course, I said, forcing myself to finally relax. I closed my eyes and tried to swallow, but now my throat was dry and it stung a little. I sat in her arms, reminding myself that the touch was kind, not forceful. It's fine. It's different, not like back then. This is okay. We watched the entire first movie. By the time the credits rolled around I was already yawning and struggling to keep my eyes opened. I really haven't slept much lately. I was relaxed, now, and felt oddly safer. I missed the warmth when Marceline got up to put in the second movie, 
and was happy to shrug into her arms when she returned. At some point during the movie, Marceline's phone beeped. When she looked at it, she sighed and rolled her eyes. He could have let me know sooner instead of telling me when he's already almost here. Who? I asked. Marshall, she breathed with a heavy sigh. He'll be here tomorrow morning. He's staying in a motel tonight. Your cousin. Yep. We continued to watch the movie. I wasn't sure when, but I fell asleep as the movie played. When I woke up the room was dim and birds were chirping outside. There were arms around me and I was in a bed, but I don't remember waking up. Had she carried me to bed? Even more surprisingly, had I slept through the whole night without waking up from any nightmares? It seemed so. I yawned and smiled, snuggling closer to Marceline. I wasn't tired enough to go back to sleep, but I was so warm and cozy that I didn't want to ever get up. But then there was a knock at the door. Marcy, I whispered. No, she whined. Put it back in the bucket. I chuckled quietly. I didn't know she talked in her sleep. I rose up on my elbow and tapped her shoulder. Marcy, someone is at your door, I said. She groaned, burying her face into my side. I felt her stretch her legs, then she rose up. What? she asked, rubbing the sleep from her eyes. Her hair was a mess and a thin line of drool was at the corner of her mouth. I tried not to smile, but it was adorable. Someone's knocking, I said again. Marceline got out of bed, grumbling as she walked to her door. I decided to stay in bed and listened as the door opened. You look like shit, a male voice said. Shut up, Marshall, I just woke up, Marceline mumbled grouchily. Hi, Ronnie, she said as three sets of feet walked into the apartment. I went to the bathroom and made sure I was presentable enough before I came to meet them. When I entered the kitchen to join them, coffee was brewing as Marshall was throwing playful insults at his cousin as another guy was sitting at her small table looking off into the distance with little interest. Marshall did look a lot like Marceline, I noticed. His skin and hair were the same shade, although he kept his short and one side of his bangs long enough to cover half of his face, but he kept it to the side. He wore a black and red plaid shirt, ripped jeans, and sunglasses, even though we were inside. I joined the other guy at the table and noticed his hair, which was dyed a lot like mine, but cut in a more masculine style. Both of his ears were pierced, like mine, and it seemed like pink was his favorite color, too, considering his bracelets and his pink and white t-shirt. I guessed this was Ronnie. Wait, when did she sneak in here, Marshall asked, and I jumped. That's Bonnie, Marceline said, walking over to me. Bonnie, this is Marshall, she sneered in his direction, and Ronnie. Marshall removed his sunglasses and looked me in the eye, making me feel self-conscious and uncomfortable. But his eyes were just like Marceline's, so I wasn't too intimidated. She's your girlfriend, Marshall asked. Yeah, Marceline replied defensively. Marshall pushed out his lips and eyed me up and down. His lingering eyes made me a little angry, but mostly uneasy. I glanced over at Marceline, who was gritting her teeth. Dude, stop creeping out my girlfriend, 
she said with a whack to the back of his head. He flinched from the pain with his hand on the lump and hissed through his teeth. Damn it, I was just observing her face. You can tell a lot about people by the way they hold themselves, Marcy. You didn't have to hit me. You were giving her the creeps, Marceline spat at him. He's not a weirdo, I promise, Ronnie whispered to me as the cousins continued their bickering. Well, he's weird, but not in a bad way. He grinned as he snickered, and I nervously smiled back. Did you come here just to scare off my girlfriend, you, you stupid ass hat, Marceline yelled, clearly running out of good insults. Can't a cousin just hang out with his cousin, Marshall huffed. Yeah, whatever, I guess, Marceline said, crossing her arms, tired of arguing so early in the morning. She leaned against the table just beside me. But whole, she said under her breath. Anyways I was gonna be nice and buy you food and junk, Marshall said. Yeah, okay, sorry I hit you, Marceline said, still slightly annoyed. She crossed her arms and gave me an apologetic look. Wanna come? Sure, I said, 